Good morning, E3. I'm Mike Overstreet, a pastor here at Element 3 Church, and here we are, the final week of Campfire Stories, um, our series on the parables where we've been sitting uh, with the parables as Jesus' own version of those old, scary campfire stories, you know, not about ghosts, but about the kingdom of God. And since we've been exploring these stories through uh, this campfire metaphor, we figured what better way to end it than to have our own conversation about Jesus' campfire stories uh, on the last week. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm joined here with Pastor Lori Green and Elizabeth Wilkes. Good morning. Welcome. And we are just going to sit nice. with these stories a little bit. Sound good, guys? Awesome. Can't okay. wait. Great. So we began this series um, by discussing how Jesus uses the parables to teach about some of the most important, I guess, ideas about himself, his mission, the kingdom of God, right? And we really sat with the idea that rather than using lectures, rather than teaching clear information like kind of we would with a PowerPoint, he turns to these very open-ended storytelling like kind of techniques, right? And which is a fascinating part of his ministry. And it's obviously an intentional choice. He does so with a purpose. So why do you think that he does this? Why does he use stories to teach about some of the most important aspects of the kingdom of God and what do you think this choice reveals about the purpose of Jesus' parables? For me, one of, the, one of my favorite ways to picture God and relate to him is um, God as the creator. God as a creator, God as an artist, and you know, us being his masterpieces, which is amazing. I don't feel like a masterpiece a lot of the time, but knowing we're created in his image, no meaning that like we ourselves are creators and our lives in a lot of ways are just like a work of art meant to reflect the truth um, and love of God into the world. So um, for me, the art of storytelling is like one of my favorite art forms. <laughs> And so it's no surprise to me. It makes sense that Jesus uses stories because uh, they are a form of art. They're a form of creating something. Um, and a good piece of art, it draws you in. You relate to it. It inspires you. It challenges you. And I feel like a good story does the same thing. Um, so I love um, the idea of Jesus as an artist, as a creator, and storytelling being like his his form of art in this sense when he is teaching. It does the same thing that um, a piece of art would do. It draws you in. It's inviting. It's relatable. It's inspiring. It's challenging. Um, and it has the capacity to change us. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I think that was the thing that kept striking me in this series was, you know, we as human beings are just narrative-driven people, right? Like we think yeah. of our lives as stories with heroes and villains and plot lines and climaxes and episodes even or seasons <laughs> like, oh, right. that was the sad season of Mike's life, right? And so in that, it's like God is meeting us where we're at, right? He knows that we think in story. So he's almost coming into our lives to give us a new one. Um, to meet us as narrative people with a new narrative. What do you? Um, no, I like? totally agree. I, I love the way that you said that, though, about with the uh, about um, the creative piece of it. But when I was thinking about that, when you were asking that question, I, my thought was just of my own journey of learning yeah. and how 
Um, I mean, when I was when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, when I was in high school, I I really hated history. I hated history class. I was terrible at it. But I think it was. Yeah, I, I took history in college, and it was taught in more a narrative form. Yeah. And then I loved it. It came alive to me because it drew me in and, and made me think, how would I have responded in that situation? Who am I? Who do I relate to in that story? And so that's, I think, what I like about the parables. And I think that's why that's why Jesus taught in parables is because he he. It, we were never intended to just be one of the characters. We're yeah. represented in so many of them because the story is us. Yeah. And so I just think that's the the power of that. Um, whereas if he had just you know stood and and shouted facts at us, um, you know these are the things to do. These are the things that to don't. And certainly there were times that that was the, that was necessary. But I think it was intended for us to always throughout history be able to find ourselves in these stories because yeah. like you said because we we naturally think in stories we yeah. think about you know when you when you were saying that we think about the seasons we think about the different characters and yeah. we assign yeah. names to those characters <laughs> you know sometimes yes. they're us sometimes they're other people sure. you know when you're watching a tv show when you're a little kid and you're like i'm so and so i'm so and so i'm batman yeah. i'm you got to be robin or you got to be whatever exactly. it's it's the same tendency exactly I think. well yeah and, and it is such an important part of that which is the change element you brought up which is like what i love about jesus parables is we always start out reading them the first time being like oh i'm the good guy in this story of course and then at the end when it flips and it's like womp womp oh, actually no. <laughs> i'm the bad guy <laughs> or i'm the one who who's in dissonance with these values that this is trying to show right. us um and i really think that's an effective change tool because yeah. like when i think of the times of my life where something that is deeply out of whack with me or something that i don't want to change needs to change and someone just comes to me and says you're messed up you need to change that like how do you guys respond right yeah. not Negatively. great no. Right? Negatively, for no. sure. so there's this there's this powerful change agent in the parables which is like it we keep saying in the series it gets behind your defenses but it does because we think in stories so we start being drawn in mm -hmm. we start being like oh yeah this is relatable i get this and then on that and then it switches turn yeah. suddenly you know, I'm the one left wrestling. And what I really like about that is outside other, it's different than giving me facts because Jesus lets me do the work, right? Jesus doesn't say, you need to change in this three ways and here's the life plan to sure. get there. It's just like, hey, at the end of this story, something inside you feels like you are on the outside of the good part of this story. Something in your life is out of sync with the beauty at the end of this story. So what do you need to wrestle with? How do you need to change right. to match that? Right? I think it draws out the the uh, the idea that we are the participants of that. Yeah. You know, we are yeah. we are the ones that have to be receptive to that transformation. We are the ones that have to do um, that have to be open to it. That have to explore it. That have to first acknowledge that we need that transformation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's that comes from like I loved the way you said that, Mike. Of when someone comes to you and says this behavior is terrible, you need to change this or you need to stop doing this. It's far more effective if someone comes and says, you know, there was a season in my life when I did that too. Let me tell you about that. This is what happened in yeah. that season. Here were the consequences that I suffered. And this is what it looks like or feels like on the other side. And, you know, we all get to experience that in ministry. But I, I think that it's also just in our conversations as as parents, as siblings, as children, of you know, as just friends. 
we have that opportunity to, to use those stories, the stories of ourselves, to help people see what, what God's truth is for them. Yeah. Well said. So one of the things that we've returned to a lot in this series is that you can't just kind of approach the parables without some context, without some background, right? And we've been really uh, exploring that idea through these four parable ground rules, um, which we've hammered over and over again, but as they always say in teaching, repeat yourself, repeat yourself, you think they've got it, repeat it again. So uh, those ground rules are the parables are parallel stories between something understandable to Jesus' first century Jewish audience and the kingdom of God, this point he's trying to make. Uh, the second rule was the parables are designed to make us wrestle, not to give clear answers. They're open-ended. They are often very vague. They're not just simple allegories. They're these stories that, like we've said, draw us in, and then it's up to us to do the work. So as we've been saying, they never have just one interpretation. Uh, the third rule was the parables are highly contextual to Jesus' first century audience. So if we take them out of that context, we might miss the point. And then the last rule was the parables are meant to be provocative. They are not tame stories. They are meant to provoke us, to shock us in a way that demands a response. So I guess what I would ask you is, first, is that how you were taught to read and reflect the parables when you first, I guess, came into Christianity, started learning about the Bible? And then the second part of that would be, which of these rules has kind of upended as you've gone in your journey, your original reading of the parables? Which of these has, was new to you, may not in this series, but as you kind of study the parables more? I'll go. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the second rule for me, the, the, that the intention is for us to wrestle with them. Um, no, that is not, uh, let me go back to your first question. No, that is not how I was first taught to yeah. read the parables. That they, they were taught to me um, much more in, uh, here's this story. You are this character in this story. This is the lesson from this story. You know, it's A plus B yeah. equals C. Mm -hmm. um, and that's with really across the board with almost every parable. And that's how I was taught them. And so the discovery of no, it is that is not the that is not the equation. It is they are kind of open ended. You are supposed to be drawn in. You are supposed to find yourself throughout that parable, throughout that story, and wrestle with it. Yeah. That that's the intention. That there is no clear. It isn't. You know. You don't. Res, you don't resolve it with the with the answer is C. Um, and that was just really challenging in a great way, but yeah. really challenging for me. Um, and it really, you know, the cool thing is just, you know, scripture has a tendency to do this, but it really just made all of those parables fresh in a new mm -hmm. way for me, because I think we can hear some stories, particularly parables and kind of dismiss them at a certain point after yeah. you've heard them so many yeah. times. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And they, because you're like, Oh, I know what this means. I know what this, you know, yep. I've already diagnosed this and I I know what this means for me. Um, and so when I, when I realized that, it made that scripture new and fresh and alive in a new way for me. And so that was really exciting for me. So, yeah. yeah. Did I answer both of those questions? Yeah, okay. you nailed it. And I mean, I think I relate well, because I think the first rule, I would say I was taught. They are parallel stories, but I was taught that as they're allegories. It's kind of like we were saying, you're this character, this character. Um, and then there's a very clear, almost children's story-esque moral lesson, right? Like, Oops. be nice to people, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, a darker side of it, which I'll just 
throw out this hand grenade out there and never touch it again. But they also often had like an anti-Semitic bent where it was like, yeah. this character's the Jews, this character's the Christians, mm -hmm. the Jews are getting kicked out, the Christians are being brought in, and God is no longer for the Jewish people, right? And and as I've studied them, one, you're like, Jesus was Jewish, and that blew up that one. Again, not going to return to that. Um, but <laughs> You already did. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... What I've, as I've studied them more, the things that, you know, I don't think I learned any of the other rules. The the idea that the parables are mysterious and open-ended goes against that reading of them. The idea that they are contextual, that when I read right. something like the prodigal son and someone's like, actually in that culture, the younger son's story isn't that shocking, but the older son, I'm yeah. like, oh, I got the oh, wrong message yeah. of this story exactly. out of context. But I think more than, more than any of that, though, is the provocative part. Because like you were kind of saying, it lets us put them in a box when we read them in that original way. They don't shock us. They don't impact us. They don't provoke us. And when I started approaching them as like, oh, if this story doesn't provoke me, then I'm reading it wrong. Right. Suddenly, like you're saying, it, the whole world of the parables came alive right. where the Good Samaritan isn't just about being nice to people. It's who is your deepest, darkest enemy and are you willing to be helped by them? Are you willing to help them? Right. And I already talked about the good, or the uh, the prodigal son, where it's like, yeah. are you upset at who's in the party? Are you yeah. missing the party? Are you missing you the party? In, right. right. And and there's just there's just a beauty to that when you recognize that they're supposed to really upend you. I think they come alive. But I think both of you like one of the points that stood out to me is you both mentioned like when you were a child or it being like story like like a child, and I think you know, as somebody who's passionate about working with kids and families, that's one of my biggest frustrations with the parables is that I think as adults, we've heard them so much yeah. that we want to say that's like a, a children's story sure. because we're so used to teaching children in story form, but that's not all there is to it. There mm -hmm. is so much more. Um, and so, yeah, we can't simplify them and say, you know, in a, you know, in a way like, oh, well, that's that, that's a, a, a children's story, blah, 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 because sure. there's so much more to them. Jesus yeah. knew what he was doing <laughs> in his storytelling and teaching. Um, so for me, I definitely was taught, like, that the parables do contain these para um, parallels between concepts that were familiar um, to the audience and truths about um, God's kingdom. And I definitely, I do think that I was taught to some extent that they were contextual, even if I didn't know um, the, you know, the full scope of that. But um, like Lori, the um, ground rule that, that I really missed out on um, and that this series helped me to, um, to understand is the idea that we are meant to wrestle with these things. They are intentionally mysterious stories. Um, there are so many different interpretations and they are, they're mysterious in, in nature. Um, so growing up, I think that I, I really would interpret them or would be taught that, you know, there's, there's a defined like right and wrong way. Obviously, I want to be this guy in the story because they're doing the right thing or I want to be this kind of soil because I don't want rocks or thorns in my heart, you know, and, and it's, it's just not that simple. As I've 
grown, I realized that in reality, I find myself at times in every single character's shoes coming at it and relating to every single different, you know, um, facet or perspective that is represented. And I think that honestly, like that's, that's the point. Um, and I missed that, um, that there is beauty in the mystery of relating to and being challenged by every part and piece and facet of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can kind of just imagine Jesus talking in a field surrounded by poor Israelite farmers and one of them goes home and he's just like, I heard a story today. The younger brother did something they shouldn't have done, but then the older brother. Yeah. And I'm like, have I done that? Have I done that? Right? And you just think of them over the next few days and then coming back to Jesus, hearing more of them and wrestling and the mystery of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's spot on. Yeah. So I guess the the last question I would want to sit with is that, you know, a key part of this series has been that we are supposed to find ourselves in the parables. Like the challenge comes when we enter into them, right? And then they demand a response from us that we're supposed to be uh, changed in some way after that process. So I guess I would I would just close by saying which of the parables that we've covered in this series um, did you find most impactful, provocative, challenging to you in this season and why? Um, I'll say, and it's been in this season, but in and but I started um, being affected by it differently uh, be, before this series started, truth be told. But that's the, the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. Um, I love the way Karen talked about each of the different characters. And I remember when I started exploring each of the different roles of that yeah. parable. Because, like I said, you know, I referenced it earlier. I was taught that you're the prodigal son and you left God clearly and so at some point in your life and then you came back and he accepted you and that was the end of the story yeah. and as i started you know looking at the parables differently particularly this one seeing myself shockingly in the behavior of the older brother yeah. especially mm-hmm. um and knowing that like i love the way karen said that the father went out to both of them yeah you know mm-hmm. i loved the way that she said that um but i just remember when i started that exploration of how am i like the older son i, I had know, not right? considered that he kind of gets left off the yeah, story for you know i mean I, I lo- <laughs> I, I, when you start thinking about all of the things that he thinks he has you know he deserves because he yeah. has earned because he has been good and because no. you know all of these things and i'm like oh, wait you, i know Lori. stop attacking <laughs> me right me? <laughs> exactly um, you know fill in the blank with any name of any person yeah. right. and and so um, it was just super challenging to me. It has been challenging to me before, but um, I was, again, just really drawn into it in this series by listening to yet another teacher, you know, talk about that. But like mm-hmm. I said, I loved the I loved the approach that Karen took of yeah. just really looking at what each of the character means. And I think, you know, the challenging thing for me is I can look at different seasons of my life and see myself in in different places right you know? yeah. I mean even as kind of a even you know the even as one of the party goers that is just yeah. sitting there going what is you know what is going on yeah. kind of why separating. is he not smacking why that is kid? he not smacking yeah. that yeah. exactly yeah. why is he yeah. not you know disciplining that yeah. child and saying shame on you and yeah. um 
So it has been, like I said, just one that I have wrestled with for a while, but has taught me so much. And I still feel, I still feel like it could be taught again next week and I still would have more to learn. And I I just, um, that's challenging to me, but in a good way, in a really good Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, that, that's one of the ones that the prov- focusing on provocation helped me with because I had a seminary yeah. teacher who was like, uh, you know, find yourself in the prodigal. That is good. But sure. the idea that the father would take back someone who runs off and hangs out with non-Jewish people and sleeps, like hangs around pigs. Right. He's like, that's, that's the Old Testament. Of course, the God of the Old Testament brings back Israel every time they wander. Right. He's like, and that is important. She's sure. like, but the provocation. Right is the one who's not coming to the party because they're upset that God treated someone else the way. Like, right, right. How, how is this fair? Yeah. yeah. How, is, how yeah. does he get, yeah. how does he get what, what I get? Yeah. You know, what yeah. I, what I and, and especially when I think I have earned it in some way yeah. by yeah. doing good things, you know? So, yeah. So very challenging. So yeah. good. My and favorite a is, a, is a party parable too. Party. Um, we, of course that, it can, is. The next time we do parables, can that be the series? The party, para- I mean, party parables. Like 50% of the parables are about parties. Yeah, you know? I think, <laughs> I think that'd be a great, a great yeah, series idea. Mine is uh, it's the Great Banquet. Um, yeah. I mean, and I just love the idea of a banquet, of a party. Um, I love the idea of, of invitation and everyone being invited. Um but um, I specifically like that, uh, Lori, when you unpacked it, when you were teaching it, you gave um, just some really good examples that impacted me of, you know, how we want to put, you know, definitions on who's invited and who's not. Of course, they give all of the examples there that seem, you know, ridiculous to us back in the context of it, of the excuses why people couldn't come to the party, the, you know, they're going to find people behind the hedges, or I got to go inspect a field, or I just got married, and it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> but like, Why wouldn't you just invite your wife? <laughs> yeah, I know. So um, She's your plus one. Exactly, right? Come it's on. Totally so. Um, I needed um, that reminder and you gave good examples of even today, like, you know, what, what things are we using to measure who's invited and who's not to, you know, just do life with us to um, that sort of stuff. And you even gave some specific examples like political affiliation, whether or not someone is wearing a mask. And I was like, Oh man, Oh, too much. Too it was soon. hard to but, even say. <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it was good because it reminded me just of like the timelessness of these. And the yeah. fact is that, you know, there have always been, and there will always be, um, ways to draw lines in the sand and right. exclude people, um, based on our differences. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I needed that reminder, um, because I think that sometimes I can give differences, um, just too much credit. Um, and in my own life, I really want just unity and peace and alignment and comfort. And mm-hmm. sometimes the easiest way to do that is to just uh, hang out with people that are like you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and that's, you know, that's I don't grow and change if I'm in a vacuum like that. Really, when I accept and embrace the uniqueness of others, um, their experiences, mm-hmm. things that we sure. disagree on, um, all kinds of stuff like that. It, it can be really hard. Um, but that is how I grow and how mm-hmm. I change and get to, but I mean, not just for me and my sake, I believe that reflects God and his kingdom. It's meant to be this 
banquet of uh, across experiences and you know backgrounds and histories and all of that and and I don't want to miss being a part of that because I didn't you know include you know based on what felt comfortable for mm. me yeah yeah and I think that's why Jesus tells that story Lori kind of talked about it in her in her message where you know, they're at the Sabbath dinner, which is supposed to be the dinner weekly that reminds them of what the kingdom of God will be like. And it's this one defined by status and who's in and who's out. And Jesus is like, you're at the wrong dinner, bro. Like, this is not the dinner that you think you are And then he tells this story about a dinner with all the wrong people there. And that's just, oh, I just love Jesus where it's like sassy Jesus. Sassy Jesus, I like it. Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely uh, the parable of the persistent widow. And like, seminary grad confession, I have never studied this parable deeply before. You know, I've, always, I've read Luke, I've read through it I've, in my devotional readings, and, and you know, I always kind of move through it pretty quick because I, I always just was like, oh, it must be about prayer, right? It's we need to be persistent in prayer, or maybe persistent in justice, but eventually God will give us what we want, which obviously you're like, that turns God into a cosmic gumball machine right. where it's like, I put in prayer enough. He's going to just give again. It's the a plus B equals C. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get becomes this problematic result. when yeah. you're like, I pushed a one. Where yeah. is my Twix? Why isn't this working? It's yeah. stuck, whatever. So, and, and yeah, absolutely. So to have Sam kind of throw that out the window, one to talk about it as comedy, which you suddenly yeah. remember, oh yeah, Jesus is really funny sometimes with yeah. this widow chasing a Not judge only sassy, purse. he's also funny. Yeah, he's a yeah. stand-up comedian, right? <laughs> Great and, guy, that Jesus. But also, like, I really appreciated as I sat with it and as I studied it, because Sam sent me down the rabbit hole, um, that it's one of the most vague, confusing parables there is. Sure. There are no good characters in it, right? You want to come away from these parables being like, good guy, bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you really sit with the characters, you're like, the widow, um, ultimately... Don't want to be that. ...comes for, <laughs> yeah. not for justice, it yeah. says vengeance. Vengeance, and the, yeah. And then the judge doesn't let her get vengeance on a character we never meet. And we right. don't know if she's right or wrong. We don't know if her right. case is just. Yeah. We don't know what punishment she's asking for. The judge denies her vengeance, so she threatens him... Can, persistently Persistently. with violence and humiliation (laughs) until he gives in and gives her what she wants. And suddenly I'm like, what is this story about? about? Right. And, and what's beautiful about that is I came away from it being like, how do I subvert justice? Right. Mm. In what ways am I like the widow in which even if I'm seeking something I think is right, I'm going about it in this way that actually subverts what God thinks justice is. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm doing whatever I have to do to get what I want in the world or to get the ruling I want, whether people are getting punished for the right reasons or not. The fact that I'm even trying to be judge, right, or trying to be the one dishing out punishment, or how am I subverting justice like the unjust judge where I'm apathetic to it, where I just don't care, and I I have to wait until justice of the problems of other people hit me in the face, Hmm. badger me, persistently annoy me, and then... Fine, I'll listen. And then fine, I'll fine, I'll do something. Yes. Yeah. And and I love the how the parable ends because they're just like there are no good guys, bad guys. It's all very gray. Yeah. You just find yourself in all the characters, and then Jesus just says, "Where do you need to find yourself in the story? Right. How do you need to reorient your sense of justice and how you go about it? You sit with that. Yeah. 
and that's it. So I don't know. That parable really spoke to me. Yeah, when time. you were talking, I was thinking, wouldn't it be crazy to think that this unnamed character, this person that we don't actually know, is the only good person? Wouldn't 100%. that be? Wouldn't yeah. that be that crazy? They're not, to, yeah. That you know that they're not there because it 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 adds to it the adds mystery, to the mystery. Yeah. of it because sure. it's almost like that's not the point of this exactly. Yeah. Whether yeah. she was wronged, right? right. Whatever, like yeah. that, that that that's Whether not she what the point that, is. Let's yeah, look not. at this. Yeah, which is yeah, totally ties back into the rules and just like the mystery of it yeah yeah well guys i really i think this has been a fantastic series i have enjoyed it all the way through and i think our community has too and i've seen some good conversations i've gotten to be a part of some good conversations Mm -hmm. including this one but some other community conversations so um i'm just really excited that this is the way we decided to end it uh, end the series i think that this was really really good conversation and look forward to hearing what the community has to to say about this as well um and so now with that i think um yeah this officially is the end of this series and now we're just going to turn our attention to a time of communion We are now going to close this series and this gathering with communion, a time that calls us to remember and enter into Christ's story of sacrifice and surrender, a sacrament that its own way acts as a parable. It calls us to reflect on our own stories of brokenness, hurt, loss, pain, to bring those stories to the cross, to lay them down, and to let our story merge with Christ's story of grace, to let our stories die so they can be resurrected with this new upside down redeemed kingdom story of God that we are freely invited into. So as you come to the table today, reflect on what story you have brought in here that needs to get upended by Jesus. Where do you need to let Jesus get past your defenses to challenge you? Where do you need a story about a God who loves you so deeply, so profoundly, so infinitely? Where do you need a new story so powerful that it provokes us to change, to become like him. On the night he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this, all of you, This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Amen. I invite you now to take communion at home or here in the building as you feel led. Come, receive the grace of God. Remember the grace of God. Remember your story. The table is open.